One of the most precious promises in the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess, He is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God does forgive us, but we, we do have sometimes consequences. And let me suggest to you that there are a number of people, even in the church, who get tripped up over this idea because they assume if they're exter- still experiencing or are experiencing consequences for their sin, they believe that God has not forgiven them. And I can understand the emotion of that. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As Pastor Rob continues with chapter 13 in the book of 2 Samuel, we learn that the prophecy that God gave to David through Nathan following his sinful acts with Bathsheba were coming true in the form of consequences of his sin within his family. He told David in 2 Samuel 12 verse 10 that the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. Even though God forgave David for his sin, there will still be consequences in the future. As believers in Jesus Christ, we know that God is faithful to forgive us when we confess and repent from our sin. However, there is always consequences to those sins. Now here's Pastor Rob. David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, Why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to, said to him, I love Tamar, my brother's Absalom's sister. And so Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat from her hand. And then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and and he was lying down. And then she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and she placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. And then Amnon said, have everyone go out for me. And they all went out from him. And then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and she brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. And when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where should I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold you from me, or he will not, with, uh, he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than she, he forced her and he lay with her. 
And then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. And so she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. And then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. And then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head, went out crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. What a miserable brother. (laughs) I put that commentary in myself. I just want to put that in parentheses. What a miserable brother. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. As we read this, it's very difficult to read of a situation like this, and these are real things that happened in history. This is not just a story. You know, sometimes we talk about stories in the Bible, but they're not stories. I don't even like using the word stories, me personally, because it gives the impression that it's fiction. But these things are real. This is history. And why is it here? It's here to encourage us and also to warn us and to reveal God's plan of redemption and to reveal God's heart and also to show the heart of man. I don't know about you, but I'm not really impressed with my own heart. I'm not impressed with the heart of man. You know, I'm 51 years old, and I've been around long enough to see the detriment in my own heart, the sin in my own heart. I'm, I'm old enough to have gone and maybe done many things already in my life, especially before Christ. And I look back on them now, and did they profit anything? There's nothing good that comes out of sin. The wages of sin, what we deserve from sin is death. And it may not be a physical death right now, but it could be a death to a relationship. It could be a, a death in a relationship. You're, certainly your relationship with God if left unrepented. But it's a death nonetheless. And friendships and marriages all get hurt and some even get destroyed and they never recover. And those that do recover are not quite the same. And so it's, it's serious business, isn't it? And, and this is really hard to look at. Now, what we see here tonight is the working out of a prophecy that God had given to David as a result of what he had done. God told him, look with me over in Second Samuel chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. Look with me at what it says. Because we're seeing the beginning of that happen literally in the chapter we're looking at tonight. And it's going to be meted out over the next several chapters. God is going to be working. And these next several chapters encompass a few, some years, some time. But God is going to allow David, although forgiven of the sin of the murder and the adultery, he's going to allow him to reap the consequences. Notice what God said to David, and, and he said it to, through Nathan. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. 
And thus says the Lord God of Israel. Here it is. I anointed you king over Israel, David. And here God is speaking to him. And I delivered you from the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. And you've killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, and here's where the the, the blow comes. Here's where the, the hammer falls. Now, therefore, because of what you've done, David, now, therefore, here's the consequence of your sin. Yes, I forgive you. Yes, you're restored to me. But there is a consequence for this. And I'm going to allow the consequence. The sword shall never depart from your house. Because you have despised, notice me, you've despised me. Not that you despised Uriah or even Bathsheba. He didn't even mention me, notice that? The ones whom he sinned against, he didn't even mention. Our, our first sin is with God. Whenever we do anything, it's against him, first and foremost. Then, then everybody else, right? So God says, you have despised me and you've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. We're going to see that. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. And For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. So the sword will never depart from his house. And we're going to see tonight that, Lord willing, it's a, it's a lengthy chapter, and we're taking communion this evening. So when we're looking at chapter, or verse 10 tonight. And we're going to see that the sword is not going to depart. It's going to begin. It's going to begin here. And then we're going to see verses 11 and 12 being meted out in the subsequent chapters. In that order, by the way. Chapter 10 is looking at, at, at chapter 30. Or, I'm sorry, um, verse 10 and chapter 12 is really speaking to the chapter we're looking at tonight. Chapter 13. In Numbers, if you recall, in Numbers 32, Moses, God through Moses actually, is speaking to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh before they go into the promised land. Those three tribes wanted to stay on the east side of the Jordan River. The land was pleasing, and they're like, you know what, we don't even want to go over into the promised land. I know God has promised us that land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what, this land is really nice. We've got lots of places to, to feed our cattle. We want to stay over here. And God says, if you want that, you need to go over and help your brothers fight in the land because they've got Canaanites, giants in the land. They need, you, they need you to go over and conquer that land. And once the land is conquered, then you can come back over. And he says, and if you don't do this, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure. And see, and that's the same true is for David. It was a year before he was discovered, and it's the same is true for us. May we come quickly to God and ask for forgiveness and repent and turn from all known sin in our life. But what we're looking at tonight is the consequence of that sin. Verse 10, the sword shall not depart from your house. And we can't run away from sin. We can't run away from consequences. 
David in Psalm 139, 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell or in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, God. He can see through the darkness. But I love again, before we get into this, I love the promise of John in his first epistle. What is it? If we confess. If there's one verse that you need to memorize this week, memorize this verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is such a precious promise. One of the most precious promises in the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess, he is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God does forgive us, but we, we do have sometimes consequences. And let me suggest to you that there are a number of people, even in the church, who get tripped up over this idea because they assume if they're exter- still experiencing or are experiencing consequences for their sin, they believe that God has not forgiven them. And I can understand the emotion of that. Because when you're going through something as a result of your sin, and there's many things that we can do that will cause consequences. Alcoholism destroys families. Your kids may never want to be around you again. Adultery, your wife may never want to speak to you again. And then she takes the kids, and the kids are with her. And there are consequences. And you may, every day, you're faced with the consequence. And many people, many Christians... Because they're going through the consequence, they think, well, God hasn't really forgiven me because it's a heartache, isn't it? It's like a constant reminder of my failure. But does God do that? Does God say, no, you haven't haven't done enough? You haven't done enough. And I'm going to keep pummeling you. God is not that way. Yes, he forgives. He can restore you, but there's consequences. Back in verse 1, it says, After this, notice, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Now we have three different characters in this chapter. Uh, Certainly Absalom, who was David's uh, son. David had six wives and six sons when he lived lived in Hebron before he moved to to Jerusalem and became king over everything. Um, He had six wives and, and six sons at that time. And Amnon was the first one. And uh, Kiliab was the second one. He must have died at a young age because there's nothing left mentioned of him in the Bible. But then the third one was from Absalom, was named Absalom from a different mother. Each one of these six sons had different mothers. And so Absalom is, is, a, is a major character in this. His name means father of peace. And we're going to find that he will ultimately kill David's firstborn son. Spoiler alert. <laughs> He's going to kill him. He's going to kill Amnon, Absalom. And in subsequent chapters, he's going to also seek to overthrow his father's throne. And ultimately, he will die by the hand of David's nephew, Joab. We look at Tamar. Her name means palm tree or date palm. And she's the daughter of David by Maacah, the same, the same mother, the same woman that gave birth to Absalom. So Absalom and Tamar are from the same mother. They're, they're full-blood sister and brother. 
And we find tonight that she is raped by her brother, the firstborn of David, Amnon. And we look at Amnon, whose name means faithful. And I'm sure that was the hope for David, that his firstborn would be faithful, but he doesn't turn out to be faithful. He's the oldest son of David, the rapist of Tamar, his half-sister, ultimately slain by his half-brother, Absalom. In fact, in First Chronicles, you might want to just write this off in the margin of your Bible because this kind of gives you the, the lineup of the, of, the, of the names of David's sons. It's in First Chronicles chapter 3, the first nine verses. It says, These were the sons of David who were born to him. The firstborn was Amnon. And I'm bringing this up to you to understand where the pecking order is. Because as we go through this, you're going to see the dynamic of that being important to understand. Because Amnon was the firstborn. He was the one, the heir apparent, if you will. And so he had certain privileges. He was the firstborn. He was going to, at that time, for all known purposes, he was the one that would ultimately inherit the throne of David. And then the second, Daniel, or Kiliab, seems to have died when he was young, but he was... Uh, his mother was Abigail, the Carmelitess, the third, and we read about him, Absalom, the son of Maacah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Jeshur. And it goes on to the other brothers, which we won't get into. But in verse 9, it says, These were all the sons of David, besides the sons of the concubines, and Tamar, their sister. And so Tamar is the full brother of Absalom. And that's important to know because there's a relationship that's deeper there between Absalom and Tamar. And now you've got another brother, Amnon, the firstborn, who raped Absalom's full sister. So if you think that, you know, the, um, you know when you look at the different uh, soap operas today, <laughs> this, is a, this is a huge one. I mean, killing, intrigue, adultery, lust, lying, stealing, cheating. I mean, it's all there. But notice in verse 2 what it says. Now Amnon, this firstborn, this heir apparent, he was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. The idea of being distressed is to be in a strait. He was vexed over her. This man had such an unbridled lust for this young girl, probably 17, 18 years old at this time. He was completely off the rails in his lust for this woman. He was distressed. And this is not only lust, but isn't that idolatry and covetousness? It is. Many people think that idolatry is just worshiping the statue or, or some other inanimate object, but biblical idolatry can also be spiritual idolatry. Idolatry against God, the Creator, Jehovah. The worship of a person, another person. A worship of a job, even. The worship of a position, an idea. But idolatry is when we will be willing to do anything to acquire it. It's all we think about. It consumes our every being. Have you ever had moments in your life where you coveted something? I think we all have. I know I have. And that's a horrible taskmaster. It's like you're not happy until you have what that is. And then do you ever find that the Lord sometimes allows you to, to have what you've been lusting for and you realize it really wasn't all, that, all what it was cracked up to be? It's true. In Colossians chapter 3, it tells us 
Paul says to the Colossians, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. And this is good exhortation for us this evening. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And here's the exhortation again. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication. Think of these in relationship to Amnon. Put away from, put, the, put these to death. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you, live in, when you lived in them. But this verse, verse 5, where it says, these members, fornication, uncleanness, evil desire, passion, covetousness, which is idolatry, this, this sums up Amnon to the T. It sums him up. And one of the commandments, right? What does the commandment tell us? In Exodus 20, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, none of his things. So we find that already the commandment is being broken. And notice the exhortation in Ephesians 5, verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For you know that no fornicator or unclean person, no covetous man, which is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Ouch. That really hurts, doesn't it? But that's the person who continues in that lifestyle. Because such were some of us. But we've been washed. We've been cleansed. We've been restored, renewed. Don't look upon the grave clothes of the past. That will only depress you. Remember who Christ is and what he's done for you. And notice that it was improper at the end of verse 2 there. It was improper for him to do anything to her because, number one, it was his sister. They were brother and sister, and there had been no arrangement of marriage between the two of them. If Amnon really wanted her to be his wife, this seems like it could have been arranged. Remember in verse 13 what it says when uh, Tamar, she says, Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. If, if, if you really want me, Amnon, then just talk to David. And it wasn't uncommon for a half-brother and a, and a half, you know, sister to, to be married Moses and, and, and um, uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah were that. They were half-brother and half-sister. It wasn't uncommon, but you've got to do it the right way, in God's way. She's saying, if you want me, why don't you just talk to my dad? I'm sure he can arrange the marriage and we can be married. Amnon, but why are you doing this? And I, I really marvel at this, because he lusted for her so much. you think that he would just... It makes me realize that it was, more, it was nothing more than just a physical attraction, a physical lust. There was, what was going on in his heart? Did he really love this woman? No, he didn't. He says he loved her. We just read it. He said he loved her, but he didn't really love her. He lusted for her. It's a different kind of love. 
I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.